He was just an amazing grandpa. I loved him so much. He was a little bit funny in an ornery way. I remember him, you know, kind of, I was probably about five years old, and there was a big spearmint plant in his front yard, and he said, Rusty, hey, you like gum? You like chewing gum? Let me show you where it comes from. And he said, look, there's spearmint. You grab you some. So he grabbed some, and he pretended to eat it, but he didn't eat it, and then I grabbed some because I want some gum. And then I promptly spit it out, and Grandpa had that little smirk. He got me. He would be one that my dad, when my dad was little, he would say, my dad told a story where he said, hey, uh, Donnie, go outside and uh, get some firewood. And so my dad would go outside and get some firewood, and then he would sneak out the back door with his shotgun, and he would come over, and then he would light off around. They were in the country. He would light off around, scaring my dad half to death. But I have some amazing memories about my great-grandpa Ed's house. It was a farmhouse. He had, he had acreage. And so we lived in the city, and we would travel to Grandpa's house. He was from Oklahoma. He moved to Southern California, a little town called Mintone. And we would go to Grandpa's house. And there was chickens, and there were avocado orchards, and there were huge, huge orange groves. And then we would all get together, and we have these big, huge breakfasts. I mean, one aunt and their family was coming from Boulder, Nevada. Another aunt was coming from Orange County. We were coming from Bakersfield. Other people were coming from Mammoth. And we would all come for a big get-together at Great Grandpa Ed's house and Great Grandma Mary. And I remember sitting there, but the best thing about it is that they would get all these fresh oranges, this big orange grove, and then they would slice them open, and they would let that juice just gush out. And they would have one of those little juicers, and you sit there, and and then the juice would flow out. And all the juice and the pulp, I mean, it was like eating candy. It just gushed out. And I love that. And so we're going to read this text. And guess what? Guess what John's going to talk about again? He's going to talk about love. He's going to talk about love. Man, the beautiful thing about John is that he is all about love, love, love. And so this is all about gushing love, just love coming out of the Christian as the juice just flowed out of that orange. And so as we see this, we start thinking, okay, listen, I want God's love to just gush out of me. Man, when I get squeezed, people taste the sweet candy of God's love in my life, in my life. But first, what I like to do is I always want to kind of get an overall big picture because I can't assume that everybody is on the same, you know, uh, spiritual journey as others. Some people have just started their journey. Some people have been on the journey for quite a while. But I really want to highlight something. I want to highlight something. I want to give you an overall picture of how God has revealed himself in Scripture. And so that'll tie into today's message. So in the beginning... When God was with Adam and Eve, he revealed himself in a much different way than today. He revealed himself. He would commune with them. But then the fall happened. And so then we see another part in the Old Testament. There's a thing called a veil. There's a separation that has occurred. 
Now there's a distance between God and man. And then we see the sacrificial system. And all these years go by, and then we see Jesus come into the picture. Jesus come into the picture. Now here's what the Bible says about Jesus when he came into the picture. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Here's what John chapter 17, 25 through 26 says. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus makes the Father known to us. But here's the thing, is that today it's different than when Jesus was on the scene. See, it started out, Adam was with God. Then sin happened, separation, a veil. Jesus comes on the scene. He's the image bearer of God, fully God, fully man, comes onto the scene. But guess what? Jesus has now been taken up and he's at the right hand of the Father. And so now you say, okay, well, what's today? Well, today, God reveals himself in different ways, but one huge way is he reveals himself through you. He reveals himself through you. So with that lens, turn to chapter 4. We're going to see how does God reveal himself through us, the Christian, the believer. And the reason why this is so important is because the world needs to see God. They need to see God. But our God is invisible. And Jesus, the image bearer of God, is not walking the earth. So how do people see God? How do they see his attributes? How do they see his miracles? Well, saying it's through you. Look at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Is this clear? It's so clear. Look at this. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, here's the thing. Saint, this message is about two big things. One, being assured of your salvation. Another way of saying that is being assured that you are Christ, that you're his. And if you ever try to figure out your salvation, Lord, do you know me? Do, I, do you not know me? Well, here's the thing. This message is saying this. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And so throughout this message, I just want you to kind of do some self-reflection. You look inside and you think, man, do, do I love? Do I love? The point is very clear. Look at verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
God is love. Let's focus on that. If God is love, then God is the one who defines love. God's the definer of love. And so you say, okay, Rusty, well, let's see in 1 John how God defines love. So look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. So we're looking at, look at two verses in 1 John on how God defines love. If God is love, let's try to find out how he's defined it. Now, I will tell you this, Saint, as, a, as, just, a, as just a side note. Getting to be able to study this over and over these last you know, months as we go in through 1 John, man, I just hope, I just hope that you just continue to get refreshed and renewed and re-energized and refocused on what life is about, which is loving God and loving his creatures. Loving his creatures, as in loving other human beings. And you know what? I went to lunch with a couple this week, and it's just so amazing to watch them love others. And I told them that. It's so awesome, and you guys are leading us. And it's just, it's just amazing to watch you guys love people because the only way that happens is that if God is in you, if God is in you. And so as I, as I kind of go through this and the Lord just lets it sink into my brain, it's like, okay, listen, it's, it's, it's a big thing to love people. And I will tell you guys, this church, and you all know this, this church is a church that loves people through action through world changers and 3MT and sports crusaders. I mean, they're all about how can I show you I love you by doing something for you. That's this church. Man, when we came here over two years ago, we felt so loved. I mean, remember, I've told you guys, you'd ex expressed your love for us by getting us sugar cereal and milk right when we moved in. That's love. Because my kids were you know, smiling ear to ear. We drove 1,720 miles and we come and there's sugar cereal. Life is going to be good in Missouri. We felt loved. You guys gathered around us. This church does such an amazing job at loving people through action, through deeds. I mean, so praise God for that. Praise God for that. And you think, man, that's awesome because that just reassures me that I'm his. Because his love has action. His love has sacrifice. Look at 1 John chapter 3, 16. By this we know love. Oh, man, if you are underliner, you better underline this. How do we know love? How are we going to know love? We're right here. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So you say, hey, listen, if God is love, he's the definer of love, well, how does he define love? How do we know love? He says this, I will show you how. It's through sacrifice. It's through sacrifice. And God says this, here's the thing, I'm going to show you. Here's how it works. I'm going to send my son, the one who I used to create the entire world, who always has been, always will be. I'm going to bring him into the world, and I'm going to allow him to be sacrificed to demonstrate my love for you. And then it just, it doesn't end there. It says, now you go and do likewise. And you know what? You guys are doing awesome. Because you do that. You do that. There's things where people ask you, can I do that? No, no, I don't really want to do that. But you say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to help. 
I'm going to do this for you. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Man, that's what this church has done. I don't know if it was just in the DNA since 1903, but that's what this church does way before I got here. I mean, we looked on your guys' website, and the way that you guys were loving it in action is you built that massive bridge out there. You know what I'm talking about? The one that gets from the blacktop to the playground. It's just love and action. And I saw it. I saw it at 3MT. I mean, you look, you look at Levi. I don't know. He went through 65 blades just <laughs> trying to get through a stump. He's like, listen, my love has got action. I got deeds. We could see it. And I could go through all the ways that you guys love people, but you know. But I just robbed Levi of his treasure because I just exposed it. So I won't say anything else. Praise God for that. Look at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest, which is to render apparent, to show. How was God's love made manifest among us? That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Amen, saints. Jesus comes in so that we may have life. God's love for us is apparent because he sent Jesus. And you say, well, how do I know God loved me? Listen, because he sent Jesus. You say, yeah, I've heard that so much. Well, let me tell you a verse that you've heard probably about a thousand times. John 3, 16. For God to love the world. Who did God love? He loved the world. That he gave. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God demonstrated his love for us by giving us Jesus. By allowing Jesus to be put on a cross. He demonstrated his love for us. Here's what God proclaims in a hurting world. God proclaims this. I love you. And I want you. And I will pay the highest price to get you. I mean, that should make you feel just so amazing. No matter what is going on in your life, you should think, listen, I know God loves me. He wants me. And he demonstrated that he would pay the highest price to get me. And you just feel like, What love is this that a man lay down his life for his friend? What an amazing thing. And I know as I read this and you just say, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to meditate on what that means. Man, Saint, I will tell you, that should be very, very comforting. Because guess what? In this world, there are some mean creatures. They're mean. They're harsh. They say mean things. They do mean things. It's hard. And God says this, listen, I'm the creator of all, and I want you. No matter what someone else has done to you, I want you. I want you. 
Sometimes when a sin happens to a person, they feel filthy. And what they do is they just say, you know what, I'm already filthy. I might as well continue in sin. And God says this, no, 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 no. I want you. And I'll demonstrate how much I love you by giving my son. Verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. That he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So let's look at this. He loved us. Isn't this an amazing point that God is making, that God loves us? I mean, we are metaphorically and literally stinky. I mean, we're selfish, we're hateful, we're thieves, we're murderers, we're idolaters. We love pleasure. We worship the creation, not the creator. And God says, no, no, listen, I love you. Not because you love me, but because I chose to love you. And you think, after everything that I've done, you love me? God says, yes. See, I've tried to love a smelly person. Raise your hand if you've, no. I'm just kidding. Let me tell you a story. I was living in Santa Barbara. I was living in Santa Barbara, and I worked at, I was going to college. You know, when you're in college, you, you want to you find a place where you think, okay, this job is going to help my future career. This is going to make a lot of sense. I'm going to put my time into this job during college because when I graduate, it'll help me. And they say, where have you worked? What have you done? And then you could say, I've worked here. And so I worked at a sunglass and candy store. It was on State Street. If you've ever been to Santa Barbara, State Street is the main drag, and it goes, and then it all the way dead ends into the pier, and then eventually the ocean is right there. And so on State Street, people go up and down on their bikes, and they're walking. I mean, there's just tons of people, and they're there in Santa Barbara. So I'm working at this sunglass and candy store, and it's a little bit slow, and man, God is just doing things in my life, and I just want to tell people about Jesus. I just want to tell people about Jesus. My living situation, I owned a home overlooking the ocean. It was on Shoreline Drive overlooking the ocean. Because what happened, there was all these million-dollar homes, and then there was a part where the homes, they, 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 they couldn't be built. And I owned a home right there until the cops said I couldn't park it there anymore. <laughs> it was a 1969 Volkswagen bus. And so I'm going around, I'm going to college, I'm living in, in this Volkswagen bus, and I'm working at a sunglass and candy store. Things are nice. But I remember Wanda wanting to talk to this homeless man about Jesus. And so I go out there, and man, I'm all set. I was going to this, this uh, college group called Reality. It was a part of the Calvary Chapel Network. And I was all excited. And man, God was doing things. And I just want to tell this person about Jesus. I want to talk, talk, talk. I want to tell him about Jesus. So I go out there. Hey, man, you know, Jesus is this. And man, he's this, he's this. I'm telling him about Jesus. And things are going awesome. And then he stands up. 
and he goes to give me a hug. And I'm like, hey, no touchy. And you know what? He looked right at me and he said, see? That story always gets me because you know what? His point is true. I was loving in talk. 1 John 3.18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So this man, this homeless man, he gets up and he says, let me give you a hug. I said, man, I'm good. And he said, see, you're just all talk. He didn't say you're all talk. He just said one word. See, I felt crushed like a, like a dagger was in my heart. And I went back in to the sunglass and candy store and I just was sitting there thinking, man, I just got exposed. I'm all talk. And I went back out there and I said, ah, oh, just give me a hug. So I gave him a hug. Gave him a hug. See, here's the point. I had a hard time loving a smelly homeless man with a hug. Now try to grasp how much God loves you, what he's done for you. He's infinitely holy, never sinned, he's perfect, the creator of all things. And he says, I want you. Come here, I want you. He loved us. He loved us. Verse 11. Beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God also, if he showed us his love by sacrifice, we ought to sacrifice for others. If he showed us his love by his deeds and his truth, then we ought to have deeds and proclaim truth. He says here that we need to do what he does. I know, I'm preaching the choir. You guys are doing awesome. But this is the text. The beautiful thing about this is that I don't have to pick and choose text and like, man, we better hit this one because I've seen some people. No, this is just, this is just God's word. But guess what? We don't want to stop. We don't want to stop loving with deed, just what we've done. We want to keep doing more and more and more. And the Lord is stirring in your heart, man, let's do this. Let's go love that person. Your flesh would be like, man, they stink. And then I want your spirit to say, yeah, and so did you. Our motivation is love because we're loved by God. Look at verse 12. I'm going to read verse 12 through 19. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. 
And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Warren Wiersbe, I love this man. He has a commentary. Let me read to you his commentary of verses 12 through 16. Quote, God is invisible and no man can see him in his essence. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. By taking on himself a human body, Jesus was able to reveal God to us. But Jesus is no longer here on earth. How then does God reveal himself to the world? He reveals himself through the lives of his children. That's you, saints. Men cannot see God, but they can see us. If we abide in Christ, we will love one another, and our love for one another will reveal God's love to a needy world. God's love will be experienced in us and then will be expressed through us. Man, that's, that's so succinct and it just makes the point. Here's the thing, saint. The way that a world sees God's love is through you. Now there's other ways, yes. But he uses you. So I would encourage you, invite the person who doesn't know God into your home. Have dinner with them. Bring them in and let them see the love of God. Let them experience it. Because that's how people are going to fall in love with Jesus. They're going to see you. And they're going to feel the love of God in you, and they're going to want it. They're going to want it. And here's the thing, saint. Yes, we should use our mouth to proclaim God's truth. Amen and amen. We want to tell people about Jesus. But listen, saint, let's not forget about the deed. Bringing them in. Bringing them in. And so I think this is the next chapter in Russellville Baptist Church's life. We have loved amazing indeed in doing physical things. Now let's start to invite the person who doesn't know God into our lives and let them experience God's love through us. Bring them around. And guess what you're going to find out? Sinners are messy. Church is messy. But guess what? That's the business that we're in. That's the family business. The family business is this. Go out into all the world. God's going to put you on display. And the love of God is just going to flow through you. It's going to gush through you to a dying world. And they're going to say, listen, 
I mean, I've known Christians, I've been to church, but I've never seen something like this. Something's different about you. They're going to want what you have. And you look at that next section. The way that we have no fear in judgment is that we have God's love. We've been set apart. We're here. We're his. Listen, saint, the reason why you don't fear ultimate judgment, which is separation from God for all eternity, the reason why you don't fear that is because God is in you. You're his. Fear has to do with judgment. Our sin has already been judged. It was judged on the cross. It's done. So we don't fear judgment. Man, I just can't, I don't know if I die, what's going to happen? Listen, if that's how you are, then I would tell you, cry out to the Lord and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Fill you with his love. Ask him to take away that fear. Listen, Christianity is not something we just make up. It's life-changing. The Bible says that you will be born from above. It changes lives. So you cry out to the Lord and you say, Lord, I do fear judgment. I pray that you would come inside and take away the fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Jesus said this, John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Saint, it's a big deal. Love is a big deal. And God wants to put you on display. And so you can say, well, listen, I don't know about having people over to my house. Well, let me ask you, who gave you your house? Who pays those bills? Who gives you the health to wake up and go to work? I would challenge you, saying it's the king. He gives it all to you. He could take it all away. Don't let his blessings keep you from being obedient to his commandments. In conclusion, here's what we learn. God's love inside of us brings assurance of salvation. It assures us that we're his. And second, God reveals his love to a lost and dying world through you. So every non-believer out there on the streets of Russellville, man, we're just going to be jogging after them. Hey, 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 come here, come here. Why don't you come over to our, our house for dinner? Let's go over there and have lunch. Now, if you don't know God, 
I'm going to give you a chance. This is called an invitation. And what I'm doing is I'm inviting you to know God. The Bible says that the Father will draw those that are His. And so if you feel a drawing that I want to be forgiven for everything that I've done and I want to be His, well, here's the thing, saints. You need to humble yourself and bow to the king. Bow to the one who died for you. Bow to the one who demonstrated his love for you. And he says this. I will make you whiter than snow. I will make you pure. Your sin will be forgiven and you'll be mine. I will fill you with the Holy Spirit and with my love. If you want to do that, You're going to pray. You're going to ask the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If everyone will stand in an attitude of prayer, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you say, you know what, I'm in. I want this. With the mouth confesses that Jesus is Lord. And with the heart one believes. So you can confess in your heart. But if you're just confused, you I, I don't know what to do, but I want to do something. Well, if you want to know God, pray this in your heart. Father, in Jesus' name I come to you. I believe that I've sinned and done bad things. But I believe you love me. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. give you my life. Forgive me for all my sins. And fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me pray. Father, we thank you. You're so good. You're so amazing. You're kind. You're patient. Lord, if there's anybody on the fence, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to, their, to yourself to make a decision today to follow you, to give their life to you. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that wants to be baptized, that they would make that known today. Lord, if there's unrepentant sin in a Christian, that they would repent today. Today is the day of salvation. We love you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I'm going to be...